Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast, this being episode 820 of Big MX Radio. This podcast is brought to you by Phoenix Handlebars. Phoenix Handlebars, we don't yet have a discount code for those guys, but we should have one locked down in the matter of weeks. This podcast is also brought to you by Fox Moto in Canada, Fox Racing Canada, as well as Fox Moto in the States. We've also got tear-off gaskets on board with us, as well as Just Live CBD. Discount code for both of those is Radio 15 Same goes for Rusty Pistons Apparel. I just got a brand new box of that stuff today. Really looking forward to it. I'm looking like uh, one of my former co-hosts right now, uh, James Dahlman, with my flannel on. Uh, I don't know how I feel about that, but that's what we're rocking. And uh, s- same discount code also works, Radio 15 at checkout also saves you 15% on throttle timepieces. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. I'm on all of these podcasts, never missing an episode, probably never going to miss an episode. With me on the line, first time on the podcast, he will be a repeat offender whether you guys like it or not, because I happen to think he's uh, an informed guy and, and uh, knows a little bit about the sport. He's a friend of mine, and every time I... I come to something in the in the garage that I don't know how to work on, which happens to be my dirt bike more often than not. I give this guy a call, he, he, he comes out, he fixes things up, and then he's off into the night and, and all things are well. The 70, 79 machine in your program, number one in your hearts, Kieran McCullough, how's it going? Oh, not bad. It's good that I'm not being called a good friend like everyone else. That's a big step up for in the introduction. <laughs> there you go, my friend. Well, it, you know what? Um, you and I have crossed paths a number of times o- over the years, more, uh, me announcing the races that, uh, uh, that you've raced in the past. I've, I've kind of seen you come up through the ranks a little bit. In fact, I believe the first time watching your race, uh, no front fender on, uh, on that Honda of yours. Um, uh, but you've come a long way during that time and, uh, and certainly, um, Better and better uh, with the wrenches, which is why uh, only a week ago uh, you were knuckle deep into uh, my power valve um, apparatus. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that was <laughs> that was more a pleasure than anything. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I spin wrenches all day. I work as an in aviation. Work on planes all day, and I build motocross bikes, build vintage bikes. So, hey, if I get to work on a newer KTM, that's uh, that's uh, that's the best way to spend any Sunday. Absolute. And, and for those at home who are listening, they're probably uh, curious as to like what my like uh, toolbox setup looks like. Maybe give people a little bit of a peek behind the curtain as to how uh, unfortunate that uh, situation currently is. Well, when I showed up to uh, showed up to help work on your bike, uh, you had a toolbox. Uh, you had tools scattered everywhere, um, but uh, luckily I brought a bag full of tools. I had a backpack riding on a bike, and I used virtually nothing that you had in your uh, in your in your garage there. I used a uh, used everything out of my bag. So, that, if that should tell you anything, is that uh, we need to fix that. Fair enough. We definitely need to fix that. I have contacted my good friend uh, Doc, Doc Wobbles over in uh, the st- in in the UK for some T-handles that are probably uh, way out of my league as far as my usage, but I will own them uh, in short order. And, um, yeah, is that a verbal cue of mine? Is that I, I call everybody a good friend of mine? 
Well, I think if we go back in podcasts, we'll hear it every other time. <laughs> fair enough. Okay. Well, uh, I also I'm I'm guilty of saying fair enough. So that's kind of doubled down on I'm uh, just poking fun. of mine. But and hey, uh, poke fun all you like, my friend. I appreciate it. I I, I give it as much as I can take. So uh, um, yeah, it's all it's all good on this side. So today in this podcast, if people didn't already read the uh, the title of it, is we're gonna do the AMA. MX preview, both 250s and the 450s. You yourself are a huge fan of the sport. You're extremely well informed on a lot of these things. You read the articles, you break things down for yourself and do your own investigative journalism uh, to just sort of be that informed fan. And that's exactly why I wanted to have you on here. Somebody who has an informed opinion, uh, which is different from just uh, someone who might uh, read Racer X and then regurgitate that same information. You're someone who uh, forms his own opinion, and that's exactly why we needed to have you on this pod. Oh, I appreciate that. Well, I come in, and a lot of a lot of my knowledge is fairly recent. Uh, most of my viewing has been uh, 2015, 2016, and uh, and later. Uh, but I, uh, as the guy who works works on the wrenches all day, I ride a lot. Uh, I can see little things in the bike setup, how riders are uh, performing. Uh, and I can see little differences between each rider, and I think I can bring a little bit more insight, um, but uh, I do really dive into the numbers, so I, I'm glad that uh, we'll have this chance to uh, to jump into that a little bit. Well, let's get this thing kick-started, my friend. We're going to go... We're gonna go 250s. We're gonna finish off with the premier class. Um, but and on for me, like I'm uh, I'm a little bit more old school than you are. I don't go maybe as far back as the the heyday of factory Honda, but certainly uh, the powerhouse days uh, of my personal favorite team, and uh, as well as uh, their sort of in a way sort of uh, team members with me on the on the Fox side of things. Monster Energy Pro Circuit. Kawasaki. A lot of championships have come out of that team, but not that many recently. Uh, they've got five uh, five athletes on that team. One of them just got uh, underwent shoulder surgery, so Jordan Smith is on the shelf. We're not going to see him. The rest of the four guys: Cameron McAdoo, Seth Hamaker, Austin Forkner, and Joe Shimoda. Tons of talent, tons of speed, but there can only be one at the top of the heap of that particular team. I ask you, break it down for me. Who is it? Well, I, I think the big question mark is Forkner. Um, Forkner has not raced uh, in a very, very long time. I think last time we've seen any real results coming from that was, uh, was it 2000, uh, 2019? Yes. Yeah, uh, but uh, the real question mark is going to be over him. Uh, he has a long history of uh, doing great in the first moto uh, and then crashing on the second. If you look back in his results, it, it's a, it tells a little bit of an odd story when you look at his, his overalls. Like, you'll see him in the, you know, the, the top 10, solid top 10, you know, overalls of 7, 8, 9, 10. Uh, but that's not telling the whole story. Like, if you go into the results, you're going to see a 1, a 2, or a 3, followed by a low 20s, low 30s, or a DNS. Um, so Forkner is going to be my question mark. Uh, and when we're trying to compare him to the other riders, it's really difficult. Uh, he hasn't raced uh, a lot in recent uh, in in recent times. Um, it's been just uh, he's one of the elite level talents of this class. Um, he has the most wins out of uh, out of the majority of these of these riders, and I'm not too sure what to make of it because um, we haven't seen him race. Um, so for that, I I really think the speed is there. 
But this is going to be a really big year for him to, uh, to start to build on that. Um, and I can only hope that he stays, that he stays on the bike. Uh, I think if we're going to be uh, looking at this more objectively, I think we're going to see more of the same in his previous years, where we're going to see some absolutely incredible dominant rides, but we're going to see those little rides that, uh, that uh, cause poor, uh, poor overall results and ultimately will end up uh, losing the championship. Um, also, we're seeing, uh, we're seeing uh, McAdoo. I really, really, really am, uh, am high on McAdoo. He's coming off a fantastic Supercross season that uh, I think he can still look at as, uh, as a great finish. Um, it's going to be a continuous build uh, where he was finishing in the results in the, uh, in the, uh, the sevenths and eighths. I see him starting to get towards that top five pack, even though this year is going to be even tougher than the last. Um, Shimoda, more consistent results. I see him around where McAdoo is finishing. Uh, when we're looking at, at the riders here, I really see him, uh, again, in that top 10 area, uh, that's 7 to 8. Uh, and Hammaker, that's another question mark. As, a, as a, a rookie that we haven't seen race yet, I am not sure what to make of that. Yeah, it, it, it is a lot of question marks on this team. A lot of uh, guys unproven. Seth Hammaker, obviously, a, uh, 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 wet behind the ears. He's still a rookie. Uh, and Joe Shimoda, for all intents and purposes, doesn't have a lot of uh, races under his belt. And like although he had impressive rides last year, sometimes it was very underwhelming. He was very, um, because we had such a a tight battle at the front of the pack. You didn't really notice Joe as much. He he did improve late in the series, um, and, and I think there is still room for improvement. And I think he's hungry to make that improvement. Um, but he he definitely is maybe uh, uh, the biggest question mark of all of these guys of of how where is his ceiling and where is his floor as far as his his uh, his results. I well, I think we're going to see a more consistent Shimoda. Okay. Like, if we're watching his Supercross season, he didn't get past hardly ever. We see him crash very little. He's under pressure from Jet. He still manages to hold him off. Um, I, I think we're starting to see a, a Shimoda come into this uh, very consistent form. And where his top-end speed may not be there, we're going to see him come on late in the championship as being the guy who's going to finish every single moto. He's not going to hit the dirt, and you're going to see top 10s. Um, I think this year is a great, has been a great building year for him, and I, I think it's only up from here. Um, you know, we we really got to look at it. Uh, uh, we got to look at it objectively. I mean, Shimoda's results in Supercross are really starting to tell a story of being able to stay off the ground and maintain his consistency. And I think he's going to be someone that we're going to look to as someone who maybe we're not going to see a lot of on on screen. His rides are not going to be super, uh, uh, not going to have a lot of uh, flair to it. Um, He's not going to be on the screen because he's not going to be... I don't think we're going to see a lot of those top five rides, but he's going to be that quiet seventh and eighth every moto. Um, and I like that consistency in, in a rider on a team where consistency seems to be, uh, seems to be a, a distant thought. Definitely seems to be lacking, especially when you talk about a guy like Austin Forkner. Um, for all intents and purposes, Austin Forkner was a blue-chip prospect. A guy who has incredible skill, incredible speed, especially in the amateur ranks, and he just there. It, it just it's been puzzling from the very get go as far as will this kid be able to live up to the billing that his amateur career um, 
really led us to believe. Like he he's had so many injuries. He's shown so much speed. It's so up and down with this guy. Um, what is what leads you to believe that he's going to be able to find the answer this year? What leads you to believe that he's not going to? And this, I believe, should be uh, a, or will be a very pivotal year for Austin uh, if he's going to uh, basically salvage uh, a 250 career that, um, although has had race wins, has uh, has honestly been quite ugly. He hasn't had uh, uh, a national number lower than 24. Uh, he's often been sort of just all over the place uh, as far as results because of the like as far as national numbers because of the injuries, and, and then on top of that, I feel like the pressure of having to produce definitely does get to him. Yeah, well, when we when we look at Forkner and we look at his uh, his career trajectory, obviously his speed is going to be uh, is going to be uncontested in this class, uh, and that's where I think our our good and our bad comes is that level of speed is so incredible but i think that his mentality every race is not just to win but to dominate uh, and that domination comes at a price because that speed isn't always maintainable there's going to be those odd crashes there's going to be these little things that trip him up uh, and like we're seeing in the mxgps uh, with hurlings when we go that fast it's just not maintainable um, and we're going to see these crashes happen and uh, unfortunately for forkner he's had these weird crashes that have resulted in injury um, the, when we look at his Nationals results, they're always really, really good with a lot of these odd rides uh, coming from crashes or come from, behind, uh, come from behind races. But it's never been about his speed. So I think that's where his good, like his upside, I think that he's more than capable of capturing overalls this year. That isn't a question in my mind, but whether he can maintain that, that's left to be seen, and we haven't seen that yet out of him. So I'd be a little bit uh, nervous uh, to suggest that he would be somebody of a, a championship contender until we can ascertain that that consistency is going to stay. Definitely. When it comes to Austin Forkner, I need to see it, and I need to see that he can, be, he can do it consistently. I have no qu question that he's one of the fastest guys on the line uh, anytime that the gate drops. But um, it seems to me that things really just sort of like he, he, the wires cross in his in his head uh, when things go sideways, and, and he he, act, he he lashes out irrationally or emotionally. And like when you race motocross and you let emotion creep into it, that's when mistakes happen. And, and I really feel like that's one of the things that's plagued his career to date. Now. Well, let's we we've talked about the the Kawasaki guys. I I think that the guy with the best potential to to lead that pack is Austin Forkner. Um, but I think honestly, Joe Shimoda could be a very quietly becoming one of the most steady and talented uh, individuals uh, on in that lineup. I think that he could seriously make some noise, and uh, and I certainly think that he's going to be more consistent than Austin Forkner. And the old adage goes, it's a bad cliche. But it's totally true. You win your championships on your worst days. Yeah, and, and Shimoda, I think, is, uh, is perfect for that. Like we're seeing all through the Supercross season, if, if, he's, not, if he's not in the, uh, in the top five, then I don't know what to say because he's always been there. He doesn't crash. He doesn't make those crucial mistakes that we're seeing a lot of guys around him make. Um, and when we're looking at, especially with his coast and Supercross, uh, we're seeing his racecraft change. Whereas we were watching the Nationals last year where he would have these really on-ball rides where the pace was just not there. Uh, but then we're seeing rides where he's getting himself on the podium like he did at, uh, at, at uh, Paula last year. 
Um, these rides are starting to come more consistently for him. And from what we're hearing is that this speed has just been accumulating all through this, this uh, three-week break. Um, so I'd be really excited to see how he performs. And uh, I think that, it's, that Shimoda's been someone who hasn't been talked about enough. Um, he's usually very quiet on social. He doesn't talk much about that. Um, and uh, I, I really think that Shimoda, if, even if his top-end level speed isn't there with the top five guys, his consistency to put it down every single moto, that's what's going to put him ahead of the guys around him. Um, so a guy who is going to finish in that seventh and eighth spot, I could see him jumping up positions in the points by the end of the year just based off the fact he can do that every single time the gate drops. Fair enough. And I, uh, time will tell to see what happens there. But as far as the team goes, I think that those two are definitely going to lead the pack as far as speed and consistency. Um, maybe uh, an honorable mention to uh, your 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 uh, kind of uh, guy you lean towards a little bit. And I like him too, Cameron McAdoo. I think he's got oh, speed. Oh, you! I really like that guy. <laughs> I do too. I just think that he's a little bit loose. And I think maybe a little bit too loose for outdoors because like – like you hang it out and obviously you need speed you need to be able to hang it out in in outdoors but like mistakes happen and like we've seen him have big big crashes in supercross a big crash in supercross is one thing a big crash in outdoors on some of the like the jump sizes that they have and somehow gnarly some of these sections can be if he hits the deck uh in outdoors the way he did in supercross he ain't racing the next weekend no, no, and you bring up a good point. His crashing has been something of, uh, uh, of a joke that we've been talking about every time he's on the track. Every time we see something uh, go absolutely haywire, it's, it's usually piloted by McAdoo. But I, I really hate to, to say that he's as much of a crasher as he used to be. Like, we watched the Supercross. It really wasn't until we got to those, uh, to those Atlanta rounds where he was uh, where he's crashing. Before then, he was rock-solid consistent, not crashing, not getting loose and out of control. Um, and when we're watching, these, uh, watching these, uh, these crashes happen in Supercross, a lot of them were not caused by him. It was you know, little things happening through the pack, or there was small mistakes being made that just crescendo. In outdoors, while I agree that mistakes are a lot, more, uh, a lot more costly in terms of the energy and the potential for, uh, for small injuries, I just feel like in Nationals, there is more room to make mistakes. Uh, and for uh, McAdoo, where he is a rider that uh, tends to lean a little bit more on his aggression over his talent, uh, he is a guy that can make those little mistakes and still keep going. Um, so while I think Shimoda will make those mistakes and he'll have those highlight reel, out-of-control moments, I don't think it's going to be quite as costly as we are seeing in Supercross, where we're seeing him literally cartwheeling across our screen uh, over <laughs> and over again. But I think to say that McAdoo is a consistent crasher, I just don't see that. Um, it, unless, we're, unless we're accounting for the, uh, the Atlanta rounds, where he was just having problems with other riders or, uh, or just these little mistakes. Yeah, like, obviously, that was a four-day period, uh, kind of isolated. I, obviously, uh, he's had issues prior to that, but I, I think that uh, you kind of have to look at the Atlanta situation situation uh, with uh, Cameron McAdoo and take it with a little bit of grain of salt, where uh, I believe the, cra the big crash that ca happened over the triple uh, was completely due to the, the over-underbridge crash 
only a few like a few days prior to that uh and then the other one is just march banks uh um trying to settle some sour grapes so put those all things together it was basically all part of sort of one uh just deal and i i I was like I, th- I think you're right. I think I think he might have uh, uh, something to say about this championship. Do I consider him a, a title contender? I don't, but I, th- I do consider him to be a thorn in the side of guys who are coming out for this championship. Yeah, Moving- and I wouldn't go so far to say that. Uh, with McAdoo, I, I really think that uh, that his goal over this summer should be looking to get into the top five, get into the mix with these uh, these championship guys, because we're really seeing him come into uh, come into himself. Uh, especially over this Supercross uh, this season, I think that this is an opportunity to really hone down his game outdoors. And on the Pro Circuit team, where obviously he's getting a lot of that attention, um, it, I can see it being a great building year, and that would help for, uh, for his opportunity to start chasing a championship in the Supercross next year. So I'd look to see a more consistent McAdoo than we've seen in recent history in the Nationals. Well, there you go. And so Pro Circuit, they've always been strong. Uh, but lately, over the last few years, it's been star racing Yamaha, with a couple of exceptions with AC and um, and Osborne grabbing a couple of titles. But it's been uh, a lot of star racing Yamahas, both uh, both Rockstar and Energy Drink, and now Monster, uh, supporting those teams over the year years. They just with that reverse engine, it's an absolute fire breather. Great bike. They, I think they have a great program. I think they really know how to build that bike up. Uh, obviously, that that's evidence in the fact that Jeremy Martin was done with that team. He was over it. He wanted out of there, and and to and for him to want to go back to there after uh, basically getting his ass handed to him the year prior uh, on the Honda uh, really speaks volumes to his respect for their team and uh, and and the bike itself. Um, and honestly, I think that he's your, your title favorite rolling in the six in your program, uh, at a Millville. I think that, uh, he didn't get the shoulder fixed, but having had shoulder injuries, if he stays off the ground and I'm like, honestly, I've had some pretty gnarly crashes, even with, uh, a, a shoulder that's not a hundred percent. It doesn't just automatically come out every time you crash. Obviously it could be an issue and that would completely de- derail his season. But, um, like that's a that's a caveat that I'm not even going to explore right now. I think Jeremy Martin is the the class of the field. I think he's on the best bike in the field. I think that he's your 2021 outdoor motocross champion with some pretty good riders on his team on top of that. Take me through the uh, Monster Energy Star Racing Yamaha team. Well, I like how you're so optimistic on Martin. I Honestly, I'd really wait to see uh, what happens in Paula. Uh, we're starting to hear that Jeremy Martin may not be absolutely 100% ready for this uh, for this upcoming national, um, but uh, we got to look at it. Uh, we got to look at it uh, for what it is. Martin did have a, a shoulder injury. Uh, you and I both have had history of shoulder injuries. It's not fun. You can definitely ride through it, uh, but there is talk of underlying other issues. Uh, nothing disclosed, but we have to look at his uh, his back injury. Uh, it wasn't that long ago where, uh, where he's had major back surgeries and he's been just getting back on the bike. Um, so in recent history, that's been the, uh, that's been the, uh, the big concern with him. Uh, so if that has come up again, it would be a similar story to what we're looking at with, uh, with Osborne, who we'll touch on later, but these back injuries don't really go away. So I'm wondering if that may be playing a part into this. Uh, but either way, if he does come and he is not 100%, 
I can't say that he's going to be our championship, uh, our championship contender. Obviously, before we, before we were seeing these injuries, I'd say it's a no-brainer. Jeremy Martin is your 21 champion, but we're, we're seeing this gap between the, uh, the new generation uh, and the upcoming champions. We're starting to see this gap close, where last year Dylan Ferrandis was the far-and-away champion just from the talent and the bike, with Jeremy Martin being a very, very close second on the Honda. So it seems like a perfect match, but if it's not a 100% Jeremy, I can't say that he's going to win this one. Uh, but if we're going to start looking at someone who can actually win this title, look at Justin Cooper. How many times has he been there? He's had incredible rides. Last year he came on late to get a few, uh, a few uh, moto wins, uh, and he looked really, really good. He had a few of those anomaly races, but, uh, but there was talk of... Uh, uh, there was some talk that uh, maybe he wasn't riding at 100% at that point. Um, I really think that Cooper is going to be your guy. Um, he comes off a championship. I don't believe that the championship hangover is nearly as bad on 250s. Uh, I, I really think he's going to be someone to look at, um, not only from his speed, but also he's on the same bike Martin's on. So if we're having a 100% Cooper against a, maybe a 90 even 95% Martin, I'd have to say Cooper would be that better rider. Um, if we're looking further down the line, we're going to see Nichols. Um, Nichols, not always the best outdoor guy. Um, past results are showing him you know, not putting himself uh, out, far outside the top five, but I, I think that he'll be there. I think he'll be one of the top five guys. Maybe not a championship contender, but definitely someone we're going to see in the mix. Uh, if we're looking at, uh, at other riders, we're probably going to be looking at, uh, at Thrasher and Fry. Um, both of them, I don't know what to say. <laughs> um, looking at both of those riders, it's been, uh, it's been interesting. Um, their outdoors, I believe, is far outperforming their, uh, their indoors, especially in the case of Fry. Um, I don't expect him to, uh, to show up in the top 10 as much as we may have seen him last year. But Thrasher, I'm optimistic on. I think that we're going to see him start coming into the top 10 more, um, get out of the 11s and 12s, and, and start to see him come up and race with some of the other factory riders. Uh, Thrasher's coming off a very, very good Supercross season, um, and uh, I think that he's taken a lot of time to ensure he's ready for nationals. He knows what he's up against. He knows he can beat the majority of these guys, and that experience, as well as that confidence, can only mean uh, it can only mean uh, better results for this uh, for the second year uh, second year rider. Yeah, no, I, I think that you're you're really onto something there. The the remainder of uh, that ridiculous roster that Monster Energy Star Racing Yamaha has um, has some top end talent as well as some guys that uh, are are going to really leave you scratching your head, especially if you're playing fantasy, which both of us will be uh, this year. Um, it's pretty wild. You have Jared Fly, who had like he showed serious speed during the, the closing rounds of last year, and then maybe the biggest head-scratching uh, Supercross from a rookie that we've seen in a long time as far as just not qualifying fast, not racing well, not qualifying for races. Um, and, and and that doesn't usually sit well uh, with with over at uh, Team Yamaha, especially with you got basically the entire team uh, either winning races or winning championships. Of course, uh, both those two, 250 Supercross champions going to uh, Justin Cooper and Colton Nichols, respectively. 
So I ask you what you think about Colt Nichols. I know that he's got speed uh, indoors. I know he's shown speed and podium speed uh, outdoors as well. Um, do you think that with a full bill of health, the, the, the momentum coming off of a Supercross championship, he had some time to tra train outdoors, do uh, you think he might have enough wind in his sails to, uh, to maybe have a, at least a very, uh, be likely to have some podium sweeps with his two uh, counterparts on his teammate? Oh, I think that a podium is is completely within uh, within reason for Nichols. I I'm really uh, excited to see how Nichols does this summer. Now we know that his results outdoors isn't quite uh quite up to par as it may be in, in the uh, in Supercross. Uh, but Nichols is coming off of a lot of confidence. He's on the he's riding at the at the absolute peak of his uh, his career thus far, uh, and uh, coming outdoors, you got to think that he can do it. He's already beat half the competition. What's the other half going to throw at him? Um, and especially when it comes to uh, comes to the races uh, coming up. For example, uh, for Paula, this is a great opportunity as the Star Yamaha guys ride there every freaking week. So for someone like Nichols, this is the perfect opportunity to come out swinging, uh, to even look at getting onto the podium and keep that string going. Um, and again, that is just going to lead into a better Supercross season. And you can only imagine that his idea is, or his, uh, his goal is going to be to defend that title for coming next year. So if we're looking at the outdoors, I think this is going to be a year where we're going to be working on that confidence and we're going to start looking past that top five and start looking into the podium. And it's all got to start at Paula. Yes, it does. And those guys will get two opportunities to race there this summer. I think that gives those guys uh, a leg up. Although there's a lot of guys who spend a lot of time there. Heck, even I've ripped some laps around Paula. Uh, but uh, I, I think that's definitely going to play into it a little bit. Um, but you know who else has lots of lap, lap times or laps at Paula? Everyone else on the on the line uh, basically is if you're a uh, a factory rider you spend a lot of time in california you're familiar with the landscape um and most of the teams are based out there now of course uh star racing now uh, moving themselves over to florida but prior to that tons of time uh in, in the southern california area same thing with uh the gas gas team and Team KTM in basically uh, a second rookie debut from Max Volan. He had, uh, like, I guess, was it one race or two races uh, in Supercross before dislocating his hip? Uh, he was back on a bike within four weeks of that and, and going fast at Glen Helen. He's even been racing some REM races, which is encouraging to see as well. I believe he might have even raced one of those two stroke nationals, which is cool. Um, rookie, rookie season. Uh, from a kid who's still quite young, obviously expectations are going to be, um, they're going to be like, capped a little bit of, of what to expect from the kid, but he is on a factory KTM, um, which, which hasn't exactly seen a, a ton of success in recent years, um, unless of course you include uh, Zach Osborne in that, then uh, they, they've been a little bit better that way, but like, I don't actually, if I'm thinking about it, I don't know that a factory supported KTM has uh, a, a, an outdoor championship in the 250 in the class. I don't really know about Not that. Not four no, strokes. I, nothing, nothing recent comes to, comes to memory. And I think that Voland in the future is going to be their best opportunity at that. Uh, Voland in Supercross showed some, some very, very good speed. Uh, I think he raced more than twice, though. Uh, I'd have to double-check on that. But uh, from watching him in his qualifying, he looked very, very comfortable for how new, how fresh, and how young he is. Um, and I think that that comfort in Supercross 
is got to come from great fundamental skills on the motocross track. Uh, and so I'm going to expect that Boland is going to continue to be a, uh, a uh, going to be a building rider. Uh, I think his goal should be meeting in the well within the top ten. Um, I have question marks though. Hip injuries are a big deal. Uh, they take a little bit longer to come to full strength. I do have a few little question marks over whether he is suffering some of the effects from it. Obviously, as we've known, he has started riding very early after his his injury. Um, but I'd like to see how his, how his fitness uh, compares uh, versus some of the other guys who are more veteran, a lot more time under their belt, and they have the expectation of what it takes to, uh, to finish and, uh, and do well within the, uh, within the Nationals. So I'd like to see Volan do well in the top 10, um, but I really think that his speed and his, uh, his results are going to start to come more into the, later, uh, the latter half of our motocross season. I think you're right. I think you're going to see marked improvement throughout the year. And uh, maybe by next time that he comes to, to Paula, he's going to be that much more of a threat. Um, continuing on uh, a KTM platform, I suppose, go to the white KTMs. Rockstar Energy, Husqvarna, Factory Racing. Um, your your team leader is RJ Hampshire. Feels like it's been forever and four days uh, that he's been in the 250 class. Um once again, injured in Supercross, uh, unfortunate, uh, but does mean that he should be coming in with, a, with a, a, a full head of steam. Lots of time on that bike. I believe this is his, at least his second full year uh, with that team. He should be familiar. He should, be, he should really know how to test that bike. Uh, and then he's got two, a couple of young guys with him as well who, ha- who do have some outdoor experience. But my question to you is, is RJ Hampshire uh, a ca- championship contender or is he someone who's going to give fits to whoever's actually uh, going to be able to contend for that championship? We haven't seen that from RJ. Um, if we look at his, his past results and if we look at his career in general, uh, it's, been, uh, it's been studded with some absolutely fantastic rides. Uh, we've seen him get moto wins. We've seen him at the very top of, uh, very top of this list uh, as some of the elite-level riders. But his problem is, is, just like Forkner, the mistakes come. They'd come, and they come often for RJ. Uh, and usually it's going to end in, in uh, an injury or it's going to end in very poor results. Um, as we've seen with uh, as well with Forkner, uh, we're going to see a lot of great results followed by some very, very low numbers. It isn't a question of his fitness, though. Uh, his fitness has been very, very good. His speed is there right to the very end of every single moto. But I would like to see that, uh, that speed come out more consistently. Now, with RJ, while his speed is definitely up to that championship caliber, it just doesn't come consistent. So I think that we're going to see, if, if anything, we're going to see something very similar where he's going to have these absolute breakout rides that are going to be followed by some real head scratchers. Yeah, uh, I, I think you're, you're hitting the nail on the head there. Um, and, and I... That just seems to be the tail of the tape for the guy. I hate to go into uh, a lot of past history to determine what what your future looks like, but um, he hasn't shown much different, especially with some very forgettable years uh, racing on, on the Hondas. Uh, even when he was healthy, uh, just a lot of uh, like weekends where you just leave your head thinking like, wasn't this guy like a like basically like a blue chip prospect coming out of amateurs? Although I don't know that his uh, graduating class was uh, one of the most uh, highly touted or successful thereafter. Um, but uh, I, I think that we're like, I need to see it. Same thing with from Austin Forkner. I need to see it uh, before I believe it uh, from RJ Hampshire. Um, 
before uh, before we get to uh, Team Honda, who is looming in the distance, um, let's talk about the red KTM's and there's orange KTM's and there's white KTM's. Pierce Brown, who has some uh, a lot of time at Paula. Same thing with Michael Moseman, who is uh, I think he's kind of NorCal. Uh, but he's he's been down in Southern California for a long period of time. Uh, he used to live and train uh, at a Lake Elsinore, which is literally 30 minutes north of uh, of Paula. For those who don't know, uh, his brother works at uh, Moorcross Action, uh, so he's got probably as many laps around Paula as anybody. Tons of speed, and he's also got a bit of a chip on his shoulder. And uh, on top of that. I think that Moseman's going to be uh, the lead gas gas uh, of the group, um, but that I still think that puts him behind guys uh, like Hampshire. Honestly, I think he's going to be battling with with uh, Styles Robertson a lot. Same thing with Jalen Swole uh, and Max Bolin. I I don't really expect amazing, fantastic rides from either guy on the gas gas team, uh, and I think that they're going to be uh, battling for eighth place quite a bit. Yeah, and uh, I think you're hitting the nail on the head there. Um... As we're seeing with Moseman, uh, he did not do any, like, like he did very, very little racing uh, in the Nationals last year. Uh, and even the year before that, if we're looking at 2019, his results aren't fantastic. I, I, I can only assume that his results are going to start to hang around that, uh, uh, that, you know, that, again, 7 to 9 area, battling around with the McAdoo, the Shimoda, um, even the Volans. Uh, I think that a lot of his speed is starting to come. It's going to come with a few little mistakes here or there. Uh, he's going to have a lot of these from behind races. Uh, we're seeing a lot of these little crashes, these little tip overs that happen. Um, and I think that his real strength is going to be stringing together consistent top 10 results versus some great, uh, some great finishes, almost getting into the top five, followed by uh, some real uh, anomalies. Um, if we're going to be looking more towards Brown, I don't know what to say. Uh, Brown has had a, uh, an interesting uh, outdoors last year, as, as what we can say is his, uh, coming off of very solid Supercross finishes. His outdoors just has not been up to par. Uh, top 15s have been very difficult for him. And I'm sure as you're, you're uh, also watching in, on Pulp Fantasy, he, his, fan, his, his uh, handicap was so great, but it just couldn't pick him. Uh, we just never saw the results out of Brown that uh, maybe we were anticipating. And whether that's a question over his ability or his fitness, or maybe it's a mental thing. I'm not too sure what's holding Brown back, because we obviously know that that skill and that talent's there. If we see laps in talent or fundamental skill, we're going to see that in Supercross. So my, I'm wondering what's happening in Nationals, because there isn't anything to suggest that maybe he, or there isn't anything to suggest that, uh, that he isn't a fantastic outdoors rider, but we're just not seeing that yet. I really am I'm questioning the Gas Gas team, um, they're a very new team, uh, r- running some, uh, running some uh, well-known equipment. Um, but I am nervous, uh, for the both of them as to what their, uh, their finishing results are going to be. Uh, yeah, you're, I think you're hitting the nail on the head. And I think, um, that team, like as far as even going back in history, back when they were on, uh, Hondas, which were red, and then they moved over to KTM. Uh, aside from some solid rides from Jesse Nelson and some Supercross uh, potential from um, Shane McElrath and a, and, and a 1-1 performance at, uh, at Washougal of all places, or maybe that was Muddy Creek, either way, um, just like 
this this team has never really produced. Um, even with uh, when they had uh, back in the day when they had Justin Hill, they didn't do much with him. They didn't do much with Alex Martin, uh, which was uh, the only time I believe they held the points lead lead outdoors. Uh, and he had some good rides there, but I think he was constantly frustrated with how to set up the bike. Um, I, I think that uh, I don't think it's going to bleed over to. Justin Barsha's career or uh, season, and we're going to get to that later on in the podcast. Um, but uh, for my money, I think that uh, if I had to rank the 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 KTM based teams, I think that I'm putting uh, Troyley Designs, Red Bull, Gas Gas Factory Racing far and away third place out of those three. And uh, un- unfortunately, uh, um, those that that puts both Pierce Brown and Michael Mosman in a position to go uphill. Uh, let's talk about uh, Team HRC, Factory Honda. This this is the, I don't think as as far as like uh, little bike riding goes, um, maybe it's like one 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 and one A uh, when it comes to the the two fifty classes. You've got or uh, as far as team wise with who to ride for. It's got to be HRC or it's got to be Pro Circuit for me as far as like that aspiring ride. I guess Yamaha has uh, has made made uh, a, a some serious noise in that recently as well. Uh, but for me, it's still Pro Circuit. Um, and then shortly behind them, Team Honda. They got the Hunter, uh, they got the Lawrence brothers. I almost said the Hunter brothers. They got Hunter <laughs> Lawrence, Jet Lawrence. These guys are both fast. They've both got tons of talent. Uh, we've said that way too many times already in this podcast. And we haven't even talked 450s yet. Um, and honestly, there's a lot of talk about both these guys having serious chan- uh, chances to win this championship. But there can only be one. Who's going to be the best guy over at Factory Honda? You bring up a great question there. Um, well, I-, I think we have to look at it. Uh, look at Jet. Um, his Supercross has been uh, has been absolutely incredible to watch. Uh, I really think Jet holds a lot more of that natural, flowy talent, uh, especially uh, being a taller rider. I can, I can, uh, I can relate to that uh, being uh, being six one myself. I'm not uh, the tallest one out there, but when we're looking at Jet being a very tall, very broad rider, uh, he's able to manage his bike very well with his legs. We're seeing it's a very fluid, very natural riding style, um, and uh, his Supercross has been absolutely incredible. Uh, his talent is there. There's no question about it. Um, and I think that we're starting to see the uh, we're starting to see the, the tail end of these small rookie mistakes, these little tip overs here and there. We have to keep in mind every year uh, that he's been racing, he's been coming from behind the points and has been making up points very, very quickly, all based off of little mistakes made at the beginning or the uh, midway of the season. Uh, if we're looking at Hunter Lawrence, I just am a little bit hesitant to say that he's your national champion. Um, he had a fantastic breakout Supercross season, followed by a confusing Nationals and an absolutely abysmal Supercross season to, before that. I really am suspect that Hunter Lawrence uh, is going to continue that. I'd like to see that, though. They're both fantastic riders, and it's really great to see them, uh, to see them perform at that level. I think Hunter Lawrence is going to start to come in, and he's going to be one of those top five guys. And I absolutely anticipate that moto wins are going to be a thing for him. I just think that Jet Lawrence is starting to surpass him. Uh, we always looked at it as Jet was the Supercross guy. Hunter Lawrence was the Nationals guy. Um, obviously, we know that Hunter Lawrence is capable of getting moto wins. Uh, I just feel that Jet Lawrence is that little step above Hunter Lawrence at this time. 
Uh, and until I see anything different, uh, that's what I'm going to have to stick with. Uh, so, yeah, Jet Lawrence is absolutely in the conversation just as well as Hunter, but I think that I'd give that slight edge to Jet if we're going to be talking about a title this, this summer. See, I'm going Hunter. I, I really think that the the fitness and the maturity and, uh, like, you can have speed in Supercross as a young guy. I think, uh, obviously, Jet is still fast outdoors. He's already won a national. Um, but I, I think he's going to be a little bit off on the, just the total package, on the fitness side. Uh, and when, the, when the, the season gets long, when it's deep into it, Round round seven, round eight. When these guys are tired and uh, um, they've, they've just had some uh, uh, some tough races, I think that Hunter Lawrence is still going to be able to dig deep and, and make that happen. Maybe I'm totally wrong on that, uh, but uh, uh, that's just how I see it. I, and I, I think it's awesome that we both have completely different opinions on how that's going to shake out for Team HRC. Now, before we move over to the 450 class, we got to pick ourselves a champion. Who's your guy? Cooper, uh, you know what? I, I have to say Cooper, uh, just because exactly as you said, uh, the later rounds are going to be tough. The little mistakes, those little rookie mistakes can still come up for Jet Lawrence. Um, and obviously, he's not a rookie. Both him and Hunter are both very seasoned riders in this 250 class now, but I feel like Cooper has been in this long enough. He has incredible racecraft. He has the fitness. He has the ability and the speed. I just feel like, especially coming off of a, an absolutely incredible Supercross season, while not always perfect, he got the job done. Uh, and coming off of, a, as well, uh, from the year before, uh, a very, very promising uh, uh, Nationals, I, I just feel like that it's all coming together for Cooper. Um, he's been a really great outdoors guy. Uh, he's, been the, he's been there almost every gate drop. I really think Cooper gonna, is going to take this one uh, with a Jeremy Martin that I don't think is at 100%, uh, and a Jet and Hunter Lawrence that may have the little baubles. And Forkner, which is a big question mark to me, I really think that we're going to see, uh, see Justin Cooper come, uh, come forth as our champ here. My money is on Jeremy Martin. I think that he, uh, I think that he's got it. I, I, I don't know why. I know that the back or the uh, he's still got an issue uh, on top of uh, the the shoulder problem as well. But I, I'm that's that's where my money's at right now. And uh, yeah, I, maybe maybe we've got a little side bet happening later on. Uh, but that's who uh, is is going to be my champion. My next question to you is, who is going to challenge him the most? Who's going to challenge your challenger or your 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 champion? Well, it depends if we have a healthy Jeremy Martin. I, I I really think Jeremy Martin is the, is the favorite, but there's so many question marks uh, and so much uh, left to be seen uh, over whether uh, whether his injuries can impact his performance. Um, so with that being said, I I absolutely agree. Coop, uh, Cooper and and, uh, and Jeremy Martin, those are your one A and one B of this class. Uh, Jet Lawrence and Hunter, I think they're going to be having some fantastic rides. I, I also think they're in the in the conversation, but for me. I feel like there's just there's no weakness uh, to Cooper, uh, whereas with every other rider, as we've discussed, there's little things that we can look at uh, as to suggest that maybe things aren't all 100%. Uh, but Jeremy Marin, uh, absolutely, I think that that is his biggest threat coming into uh, this season, and I think Jet Lawrence uh, will also take away quite a few wins from uh, from Cooper. Well, 
Uh, we're we're going to find out starting this weekend in Paula. Let's switch things over to the 450 class. That championship might be as wide open as wide open gets um, with nothing but question marks everywhere. It's the goddamn Riddler when it comes to this championship. You got... For, you, like in the last few years, it's been so hard to say that a, a, a Supercross champion is instantly going to come out and be successful. We haven't seen a lot of it. I was trying to think in recent history, when was the last time we actually saw someone win both classes? I imagine it was probably Ryan Dungey sometime around 2015, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I believe we... you're right with Dungey. Aside from a, uh, from a, uh, a lackluster performance at Hangtown, I I'd say 2016, um, where uh, where he was able to wrap up both the MX and SX championships. I think 16 um, was Roxon Outdoors. Oh, you're right, you're right, you're right. Because yep, he went to Honda correct. with the number one plate, but he never ran it outdoors. Yes. So uh, that's why I think, and, and I know that uh, Dungey and uh, and Roxon swapped championships uh, a couple of years there, uh, 15, 16, um, or... Yeah, 14, 15, and 16 um, was were those two uh, like swing, swinging back and forth and uh, and trading blows. But let's let's start with uh, maybe um, maybe he's your favorite. Maybe he's not. But a lot of people are talking about him, and he's at the top of my list uh, of guys who uh, wants to leave his team uh, on a good note. I think that uh, he's shown tons of, tons of speed on this machine in the past. Uh, he's, I think he wants, uh, whenever you're leaving a team, you want to leave, um, leave them sort of thinking that, uh, they're, they're missing out on something or, uh, you can, you can still get it done. That's certainly how Ricky Carmichael felt his last year on Honda when he literally just, just kind of dropped one on him and, and went undefeated, uh, after not receiving, a. uh, a contract in the mail from HRC in 2004. Eli Tomac, his final 12, uh, 12 events on Monster Energy Kawasaki, the number three in your program. He will not be wearing the number one this year for the first time in a long time in outdoors. And I, I think that he's going to be successful. I think that he's going to have uh, a ton of opportunities to show uh, his speed. And um, and I, I think that he can, can right the ship after basically a full year uh, of some very lackluster performances after wrapping up the Supercross Championship last year. Historically, yeah. Uh, a lot of riders on their last year before switching up teams, they generally do well. We don't really see that drop-off that, uh, that I think many are expecting. I've actually got my eyes on the, uh, the other teammate there, uh, the uh, Adam Ciancerillo. Uh I'm very, very up on him coming into this season, and uh, where I think Tomac is starting to fade off in that elite-level bring it every day to the, uh, to the gate type of speed, you've got to think that I'm seeing Cirillo second, second in points last year is going to bring it. Um, I, I have nothing but like good things ready. to say about him. I was going to say, he, Adam Cianciarillo is about as ready for this championship as he's ever been ready for an outdoor, uh, an outdoor gig. I think he's going to be really solid, uh, and I'm looking for him to... Um, to really take a step forward, I think that uh, this this summer is what solidifies uh, Adam as uh, a, basically a perennial championship contender uh, until the end of his career. I really do feel like that. 
Yeah, well, well you got to imagine that uh, coming out of the uh, coming out of the 250s, uh, there is a lot of hunger there uh, to finally wrap up championships and to stay off the ground and to keep it together every race. We're seeing time and time again, Adam Cianciarello is the fastest guy on the track. Uh, we're just having to see these results come together. And I think that uh, just like when he was able to wrap it up in the 250s, I feel like that in the 450s, this is attainable for him. He's been the fastest guy day in, day out. I have no questions over his fitness, uh, and he's absolutely incredible. And not to mention, he's wearing handguards. He's protected out there, unlike half of these other guys who wear nothing. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I really it think Adam Cianzarillo cool, okay? is going to surpass Tomac at this point. And for Tomac, I... I really think he's going to continue to do well. I think we're going to see a maybe a similar ride to last year where he's starting to look around third and th- second or third in the points. I just don't feel like uh, Tomac is going to be fighting for the championship quite like the uh, the likes of our new generation riders such as Adam Cincerillo. It it may be a changing of the guard over at Kawasaki. It really it honestly uh, if if at the end of this championship we're sitting here thinking saying that Eli Tomac was sort of just a guy a lot of weekends and uh, um, this is the like the beginning of his of his slow decline. Would not be surprised if he also came out and just kicked everyone's ass. Also wouldn't be surprised. Um, but I, I think AC makes a huge step forward uh, as long as he's able to stay off the ground. And that's that's sort of the caveat that comes with all these guys is that uh, when you hit the ground at these speeds, uh, shit breaks, uh, whether it's bike or body. Um, but I think that uh, Adam C. and Cirillo, for, for my money, is, is maybe uh, one of the uh, the top contenders for this championship. Let's move on to the Monster Energy Star Racing Yamaha. We spent about 45 minutes uh, of the 250s uh, class talking about this team, but they only have three guys in, on this particular team. They still have one of the biggest rosters on the 450 side. A couple of guys that have knocked down championships in the 450s, uh, or in yeah the 250s recently, and then you have Christian Craig who coming recently coming off of a broken leg, um, like you know he's gonna ha- he's gonna look good on the bike, you know, all those cliches, this that and the other thing, um, but does he have the speed to really make noise in this championship, or am I gonna be sitting here on Saturday afternoons? Uh, looking through the the carousel that's coming across the the top of the screen, um, or maybe it's the tower now, and, and seeing just Christian Craig weekend in weekend out, uh, eight nine ten, and just almost like uh just the, the the quietest summer around. Well, if we if we're comparing his results to last year, I, I think that uh, Paula was a bit of a standout for him. Um, Christian Craig has obviously shown that he has the speed. Uh, that on any given day he can put it down and make something happen of it. Uh, the biggest enemy of that is himself. He does crash often, um, and but uh, I think that with his natural talent, that's just going to carry him through this season. Um, if we're talking numbers, uh, yeah, his, we're going to see him at the uh, the tail end of these elite level guys. Uh, but definitely, I find him fitting well within the top ten for a lot of these motos this season. I just don't think that he's going to do it every single race. He's going to be all over your results sheet. But I actually think that he might be looking at some podiums this year, uh, especially later in the year where maybe the field isn't quite as strong as, uh, as, uh, as it is when we're starting out. We always see it th- start to thin out in the last couple of rounds. That's where you see these guys uh, down in the, uh, in the top five, top ten. That's where you see these guys really start to dig and start to come up with some absolutely fantastic results. 
It is a battle of attrition. This is uh, a brutal sport, and uh, by the end of the rounds, it can definitely be the walking wounded when it comes to uh, who you got in that top five, uh, top ten, uh, and, and whether or not uh, Christian Craig will be able to be there at the end. Uh, will he be dependent on his consistency? And uh, he's been known uh, some years to be just rock steady. No worries whatsoever. Other years, he's had a, uh, he's been able to uh, uh, find the ground uh, on an often and, and he's been a bit fragile at times so we'll see what we get from him but what about his teammates Aaron Plessinger who's moving on uh, to uh, factory Red Bull uh, KTM really awesome team he wants to obviously uh, move on from this team and have a great season but with that that contract basically already signed um, do you think that at, at all during this summer we, we see Aaron Plessinger take a little bit off of his fastball uh, to, in preparation, knowing that I have plans for next year, I want to stay healthy. I want to put my best foot forward when I gotta get on a brand new machine with my uh, with my best friend in the whole wide world, Cooper Webb, uh, as my teammate next year. If you're Aaron Plessinger, there is no way that you're gonna try and give up anything in these coming uh, races. We're coming off of a off of what I think was one of his best uh, Supercross seasons to date. It was a real breakout where he's been leading laps. Uh, and we haven't seen that loose, open, and wild side of Aaron Plessinger since he was wrapping up his 250 championship uh, and where he was absolutely dominating the outdoors. He is a fantastic rider when it comes to outdoors, a lot of it being pulled from his GNCC experience. Uh, I really think Aaron Plessinger is going to start to come into his own. It's not going to be consistent. It's not going to be every race. I think it's going to look like a Supercross season where on a track like Atlanta where it really suits him, we're going to see him lead laps. We're going to see podiums. We're going to see him start breaking through that top five. But there are going to be some rounds where we're going to be scratching our heads where he's going to be seven, eight, nine, and we're not really sure what to make of it. Uh, but Aaron Plessinger, I think, is going to have a great year. And you have to think that there's nothing to be left on the table because even though he is looking to go to another team, he's still racing. And I think that's been ingrained in a lot of these guys is to not leave anything on the table, especially if you're coming, uh, coming with a lot of confidence and a massive hot streak. Yeah, you're, you're not wrong. And uh, like that, that team is going to have some serious uh, firepower. Um, before the season even starts, who out of the, uh, the Star Racing Yamahas is going to be top of your uh, uh, like? Who's going to be the highest, highest in points by the end of the series? We haven't talked about him, but Dylan Ferrandez. Uh, Dylan Ferrandez is a fantastic outdoors rider, uh, probably better than he is in, uh, is in Supercross. Uh, he has this elite-level talent, uh, and I really think that on the Star Racing Yamaha team, he's going to be the tip of the spear, uh, and he's going to be Yamaha's uh, next generation of, uh, of riders. We're seeing guys like AC and Sexton uh, start to come into their own as, uh, as being the elite-level guys. I think Dylan Ferrandez is a very, very close to, to being at that, at that point. We're going to see podiums. I think we're going to see some consistent top fives out of Ferrandez. I'm very excited to see what he can do uh, because we've seen Dylan Ferrandez with that incredible speed to absolutely just wax his way through the field. Um, being one of the few riders to be able to do so in Supercross, you've got to think with a little bit more real estate outdoors, that speed he's just going to carry through the pack, and we're going to see some incredible rides from Ferrandez. But the big question is that, can he get these starts dialed? Starts have been a big problem for him, and even when he gets the starts, it doesn't always work out perfect. Uh, for Dylan Ferrandez, 
He has to get these starts, and he has to come out with that first lap pace. Uh, and that is going to make it for an incredibly exciting season for him. Uh, whereas Aaron Plessinger and Craig, I don't think their top end is quite to the same way uh, that Dylan Ferrandez might be able to show us over the summer. I think that there's going to be weekends where his his starts are uh, such a hindrance that you barely notice him. I also think you're going to see races where he's feeling it, the conditions are right, and on maybe one particular moto or maybe an entire national, he's the fastest man on track and goes 1-1. He has that capability and the speed to do it. Absolutely. I'm really excited to see what Ferrandis will do. Um, and uh, while I don't think that AP has that same top end, I think Craig is close, but I really think Dylan Ferrandis has the speed uh, to be able to pull it together uh, almost every gate drop and to make something happen of it, no matter where he is on the track. Fair enough. Well, I, I think that uh, you're. I think uh, we're we're both in agreement that Dylan Ferrandez be uh, at the very least the top star racing Yamaha. Whether he challenges for this championship is yet to be seen. But I, I think he's put himself in a good position to be at least a threat and a thorn in the side of those who are at the uh, at the front of the pack. Red Bull KTM factory racing. You got both these guys who have gone one one at nationals. That is something you don't often you can't often say about on a particular team that, that you're basically like they always say that you have like kind of a uh, an A rider and a B rider, uh, and maybe uh, Marvin Muscan is definitely on the back nine of his career. But for all intents and purposes, I think both these guys have uh, uh, have seen opportunity in front of them, a wide-open championship with the ability to put their best foot forward with a, with a clean slate. And I think that Marvin Muscan uh, can, can really make a statement here. I think he sees the opportunity with a lot of unknowns coming into the season. And I honestly think that he was on the upward trend uh, towards the end of Supercross. And I, I think he's better outdoors. In fact, I know he's better outdoors, um, which... Obviously, Cooper Webb has an outdoor t- title on the 250. In fact, he won it over uh, Marvin Muscan. But if I had to, to put my money on who I think is going to be uh, the most, uh, the fastest, and consistently most uh, the fastest out of these two, uh, honestly, I'd probably give the nod uh, to Marvin Muscan just because of the motivation that's there and uh, and the raw talent. The the kid out of France is extremely fast. Uh, I think he's motivated to do well. Not that Cooper Webb isn't. But uh, a couple of uh, 450 championships in your back pocket and, and a long 450 career still ahead of you. Uh, I don't know that he has the same urgency as, as uh, Marvin Muscan does. Why am I wrong? I, I can't argue with it. I, I was about to say the exact same thing. Marvin Muscan is a fantastic outdoors rider. In fact, I was going to say that before even you said. Uh, Marvin Muscan is one of the few riders that can take on Tomac's beast mode and throw it away. Much like Osborne did last year at WW Ranch, Marvin Muscan is a fantastic outdoors rider. Unfortunately, has not had the championships as he's been always been in the shadow of his other KTM teammates uh, and uh, the likes of uh, Rocks and some of the more elite talents. Muscan has been second place I don't know how many times. I don't think that this year is going to be quite the same. I think we're going to see a Muscan that's coming out without a neck brace looking fantastic. His riding has really evolved. Um, and he looks incredible on a bike right now. Um, not that he hasn't looked incredible in the past. He's had these moments of just absolute, uh, absolute uh, finesse. Um, and last year, even though he was coming off of a knee injury, 
even though the strength wasn't quite at 100%, we saw that fitness lapse in the second motos. He was still able to pull off wins. He was still able to beat Tomac. He was still the fastest guy on any given day. With his that elite-level speed coupled with that racecraft, there's no question that we should be considering him a top-level uh, championship contender. And I think that it hasn't been talked about enough. Marvin Muskan should be a uh, should be a shoe in for the championship should something happen to some of our uh, our top end uh, other top end guys. Webb, on the other hand, I'm really happy about. Uh, obviously, wrapping up the title that's really exciting. I just don't think that the that the uh, uh, the nationals suit him. And the reason that I believe that is is Supercross is very very difficult to pass. His racecraft is incredible though. And that racecraft is what allows them to get and is allows them to pass through guys. Uh, whereas in the Nationals, you need that speed. Um, and where Webb doesn't have quite as much as the elite level speed as the likes of Muskan, Tomac, Roxon, AC, Sexton, he's going to have a bit of a harder time making passes and sticking them. Uh, and where I see Muskan being uh, maybe a touch faster on any given day, uh, especially when we're looking at uh, some of our more uh, rougher, uh, rougher uh, nationals tracks. So I'd give my nod to Muskan, and I can't argue with you. I mean, if you're saying the right things, I'm not going to tell you that you're wrong. Yeah. No, fair enough. Uh, like the the you you do uh, uh, make a lot of good points there, and, and I I think uh, what I like about it most is that you backed up most of mine. Um, moving over to, uh, Rockstar, uh, Energy, Husqvarna, Factory Racing, uh, Dean Wilson, he's racing for, uh, for, uh, uh, he's racing for a ride next year. He needs to lock something down, uh, and w whether they bring him back, uh, is, is still unclear. Uh, what is clear is that Jason Anderson is moving over to Factory Kawasaki. That's happening. I assume, I feel like that's signed. I believe it's a two-year deal. And um, I think he's he's full preparation mode for that. I think he's team fried for the summer, uh, checked out. Uh, I don't I don't expect uh, much, if anything, out of the uh, the New Mexico uh, native. I think he's obviously extremely talented, lots of speed there, but I don't think his heart's in it to to, to contend for this championship. Um, but the number one is on Zach Osborne's bike, uh, outdoors for the first time in a long time. In fact, the last time he was able to ride, uh, with the number one outdoors, uh, was in 2017, uh, before, uh, he like basically put his shoulder on backwards at, uh, uh, the second moto and he tried to ride after popping it back in at Colorado. That was ridiculous. Um, talking about one injury now back it up with another in the fact that I th he's coming in with a back injury. He's not a hundred percent. Uh, he's still going to line up. Uh, but the number one, I don't think, uh, unfortunately, I think he's going to have some good motos, but I don't think he's going to carry the, the, the red plate, uh, outside of the first moto of the year. No. And with the, with the, uh, the factory house for a team, I think this summer we're going to see it a little bit quieter than we're used to. Uh, as, we're see as you just mentioned, Anderson is leaving the team next year. Uh, as to what we are speculating at this time, we know that Anderson isn't always someone who's going to put their lives on the line. Uh, and I fully anticipate that Anderson is going to have some very lackluster or questionable rides, whether he pulls off or whether he's just rolling around in the, in the teens. Uh, I think that Anderson is going to have a bit of a slower season, but that's not to say that these great results can't come out. We have to remember that he can come out and he can win openers, no problem. The speed has never been the problem. It's been 
stringing this together. Um, and uh, I think that the move to, to Kawasaki is going to be interesting. I think there's going to be some adjustments to be made. Um, but I think that uh, I think that we're going to see a quiet uh, quiet summer out of Anderson, Osborne, and Wilson. Obviously, with with Osborne his back injury, uh, I don't believe that uh, that he's going to have quite as great of a season as last year. Uh, where last year he relied on that consistency and his ability to put together solid motos, not always winning, but most of the time very very solid, looking to the front. I just don't think he can do that this year with the with the field getting a lot stronger. Um, I, I just don't see it. Uh, Wilson has been uh, has been a, a budding top ten guy, but with the field getting stronger, I can only see Wilson getting weaker. Um, there isn't anything in his ride old, that. Man. I honestly like. He's, I hate to say it. I, you, you know, he still feels like a young guy, but the, these these next up and comers like they're coming. They're fast. They're yeah. They're hungry, and I, I don't know that I see him. I I, I court, you know what I kind of see him right now similar to a Tim Ferry late in his career. Still capable, yeah, we're, still we're fast. Yeah, we're seeing these results come, but yeah, yeah like in the case of Wilson, I, I do think that uh, I do think we're starting to look, maybe top 10s are an option, but uh, as he has uh, speculated, we are looking at the last couple of years of Dean Wilson, and I think he can retire knowing that he, did an absolute, he had an absolutely great career. Uh, I don't believe he's left anything on the table, and he has raced his way on the factory teams. He is very, uh, very great on social media, and uh, I think that this summer is uh, is a great time to put your eyes on Wilson because maybe those years aren't going to come as uh, aren't going to come. No, I, honestly, there, I find myself uh, more often than not, and I, I I think Dean is a great guy. I'm not. This isn't a slight on Dean, but um, looking through the results. And it's all like it's just like the the constantly like a really um, just a quiet day, just another quiet day, and like all of a sudden he'll stand out for a weekend and then back to uh, like extremely quiet uh, performances, and uh, and that just seems to be uh, a really consistent thing uh, for Dean. And um, I hope that he continues to to ride uh, at at a high level, and I think he deserves factory support. Um, from from whatever team is willing to give it to him, whether it be uh, at a at a Rocky Mountain or st- back on uh, on Star Star or uh, Rockstar again, uh, he seems to have a nice home there. He's giving bikes away right now, uh, which is cool. On top of that, uh, nothing but good things to say about Dean Wilson, but I don't think he's going to be a threat for this championship in the slightest. No, absolutely um, not. No. No, same, um, honestly, same but, goes for Joey Savacci and Justin Bogle. I don't know. You, you can you can uh, weigh in a little bit more on that, but I think the 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 Rocky Mountain team is kind of in the same boat. Yeah, well, as we are uh, as we are talking about with uh, with Wilson, we're looking at two riders. Uh, one that's had a lot of opportunities and has just not made the most of it, and the other one that's been dealt a bad hand. If we're looking at Bogle and Savacci. It's going to be a. I think it's going to be a good year, though. Uh, there's a lot to look forward to. Uh, I, I think Bogle is going to have a going to have some troubles. It's it, it's been usual almost every year. It's something has come up, uh, whether it be his fitness, whether it be uh, lingering effects from his other injuries. I'm really uh, excited to see what Savachi can do. Um, we know Savachi can get absolutely great starts. I think it was Redbud where he whole shotted the race and was very, very consistent in uh, third place until he had a bit of a tip over. So I think Savachi, with his incredible ability to get starts on a proven bike, I really think Savachi can make something happen, uh, whether that be breaking into that top five. 
I'm not sure if a podium's quite in contention with how stringent this field is, but you got to think that a top five is possible, especially if he's able to get a good start. Yeah, no, it, it definitely is. Like that. Um, the thing is, like we haven't seen uh, the Joey Savachi that we saw on Factory Kawasaki since he was on Factory Kawasaki with the injury uh, that he sustained last year, and sort of the he's sort of been in like mo- like hockey purgatory uh, or not hockey motocross purgatory. I was just looking at the hockey game. Um, <laughs> motocross purgatory for the last year or so uh with just like so much uncertainty about his program and then some injuries on top of that um but the, the like reality is, is that we've seen this guy uh win win races outdoors uh we've seen him lead laps we've seen him have fast laps so uh i i still think that there are some uh some career bests in store for uh, for joey savaji but things have to go well they have to, they have to go his way for that to happen for him oh uh, yeah and you're right about that but with this team, uh, this, uh, this Rocky Mountain ATV team, uh, I'm really excited to see what he can do. He's been on this team for, uh, he's been on this team for a year now, uh, and it really seems like he's starting to get comfortable. We're starting to see some great results, some very, and quite honestly, very consistent rides coming from Savachi, uh, which is something that I'm really excited to see because, uh, as I'm sure you are with the Fantasy, uh, the fantasy uh, uh, Pulp MX, uh, I'm really excited watching uh, Savachi because you know that he's going to be putting the bike in uh, in the top ten every single gate drop, followed by good starts and a little bit of spice that makes you think maybe something more can come of it. And his outdoor speed is very good. Um, so there isn't anything that, to me, that would suggest that uh, that he can't make something happen uh, in the in the coming nationals, especially if he gets a good start. I think you're on to something there, my friend. Uh, let's switch gears completely and talk about a manufacturer that we have not yet talked about, and that's uh, that's Suzuki, the Twisted T, Hep Motorsports, Suzuki Racing, Max Anstey. Uh, on his best days, he has the talent and speed and ability to be a top five guy. Last year, we saw him great, get great starts, even on the, the, the Suzuki, which uh, is heavy and a little bit underpowered, to, uh, to say the least. Uh, but still a capable motorcycle, and he proved that last year with some some good rides, uh, like and, and and even in Supercross, a, a very uh, a good showing. Uh, out obviously outdoors is more of his thing. Uh, what do you expect from Max Danstey? I think we're going to see a little bit more of that hot and cold that we were uh, that we were able to to uh, to witness, where he's having these great rides when the conditions allow. Uh, Max Anstey is a very very good rider when the conditions are uh, are adverse. Uh, much like uh, when he went 1-1 in, uh, in Matterly in the, uh, in the MX Diz Nations. Uh, he's a fantastic mud rider. Uh, so with that being said, if we're looking at wet conditions, look for Anstey to put that bike out front. Like we saw with Loretta Lins, those, uh, those HEP Suzukis, they hook up. Um, they, uh, they did very, very well, all three of them, for getting great starts right off the hop. Uh, so I really think that, uh, that Max Anstey can make something happen with this bike. I know you're saying it's heavy and underpowered, but at the fact, or not the fact, but at the HEP level, you got to imagine that they figured figured something out with the bike. It's not like he's taking a knife to a gunfight. He's on a good bike with a good team. I really think that Anstey can have these incredible breakout rides where he's starting to find his way through the top ten. But as an average finish, I really think that he's going to be just outside the top ten uh, on average. Um, but he is going to have these incredible rides where you're just absolutely wondering how the heck he got up there. 
Yeah, no, he's definitely a surprise. There's and it'll also be surprising to some of the guys he's racing against. They're typically uh, looking to be uh, battling uh, the Barshas and the uh, and the Roxons of the world, and all of a sudden uh, there's going to be a yellow Suzuki in in the mix as well. Um, so before we get to Team Honda, let's let's jump on over to uh, the 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 third head or the three headed monster that is KTM uh, over to Gas Gas, uh, another red bike. Uh, in Justin Barsha, he's he's won races in the past in the 450 class. He, I think believe he's done so uh, on Hondas as well as Suzuki's and uh, and uh, Yamahas in the past. He's he's had some serious speed. He's had he has skills. He's getting a little long in the tooth, but you know he still has that chip on his shoulder. He's basically born with it. Um, what do you expect from Justin Barsha's summer? I expect it to be a quiet one. You think it's going to be quiet, but I'm on the other end of that. I think we're going to see some very, very explosive rides. Keep in mind, this is Justin Barsha we're talking about. This is Bam Bam. And while maybe he wasn't quite as frisky on the, on the Yamaha, if he was having issues or whether the bike was a problem, that's left for another conversation. But on this gas gas, he looks comfortable. And when he, he gets comfortable, he gets aggressive. And I love it when he starts to come alive. Like when we saw when Anderson was rubbing up on, uh, on Barsha, it was in Salt Lake. Uh, where Barsha would absolutely explode, start throwing down incredible lap times, uh, stuffing people, riding very aggressive, throwing large whips. He is going to be on highlight reels this year. Um, no doubt about that. I think we're going to see very hot and cold. We're going to see these races where he's really starting to charge to the front, and we're going to see some rides where they're really quiet, where he's just slowly fading backwards. But he rides very emotionally, and he rides with that excitement that's going to make him end up on some absolutely incredible highlight reels. I really, I'm, I'm not saying that it's going to be a quiet year for Barsha, though. Uh, that's, uh, that's a bit of a reach to me. But to say that uh, he's going to have a, uh, to, to say that he's going to have an exciting one, uh, I think we're going to see a few races like, like that. You think we're going to see it? I say that uh, Justin Barsha does not have a podium overall uh, in him in 2021. Want to take that a podium back? overall, maybe not. I see him getting podiums and motos, though. That's something I can definitely anticipate. But uh, with this with this field being as, as deep as it is, I, I think he's going to start to find himself uh, really fighting for those top five spots. For sure, there's just so much talent in this class, and we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up with Team HRC Honda and and Ken Roxon. Who uh, who has shown he's been a, he's a two-time champion in this class. He's a world champion. Uh, he's won Supercross races, albeit not since uh, the Indy Three has he stood on the top of the podium. Um, but he's got talent. He's got speed, and he's got the confidence to to win this championship. And he also has uh, he has he can experience. He knows the experience of winning that championship. I think he 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 has uh, can seriously uh, make something special happen. But he's got this young guy who just keeps impressing this. Like, I feel like Chase Sexton turned pro like a week ago and he's just been knocking down championships and career best finishes left, right, and center. He doesn't have a win in Supercross yet, but that's coming uh, within the next 12 months for sure. Um, and honestly, I, I there might become a, come a time this summer when we were having a conversation about who is more likely to win this championship, Chase Sexton or Adam Cianciarulo. You know what? I have to disagree. I'd like to say that Roxon can, can make something happen in this year. It's someone that we maybe are not looking at harshly enough, uh, especially uh, when, we're, uh, when we're forgetting about Muscan. 
what we have to remember, Roxon is an elite level rider. Like you said, he's won championships. He's done this before. And he's coming out of Supercross as the second best rider on the track. Whether that showed on the very last race, nah, I, I don't think so. But when we know, we, we know, one thing we know about Roxon, he pulled it together for the outdoors. He is incredibly fast. He has that talent and that top-end speed that would rival anybody else on the course. Um, and I think Roxon is going to do better outdoors. He always has. But where I think Roxon will see that biggest benefit from is the increased real estate. If we're watching Roxon and his charges, uh, if we're watching in Supercross, he will go incredibly fast until something happens, until he gets stuck in traffic, until he gets stuck behind somebody, and then he falls into their pace. If we're looking at outdoors where you have the real estate, you have the line choice, and you can get outside or you can make a pass happen with multiple lines in the corner, Roxon's going to be able to weave his way through riders and keep that speed up. I think that he's, a, uh, I think that he's like a train, but once you start slowing him down, it's all breaks from there. Um, but Sexton is going to be one of his biggest competitors coming into this year. Sexton is incredibly fast, uh, as we're seeing in Supercross, uh, posting the high, uh, the very, very fast qualifying times. Uh, we're seeing him uh, come out with great starts, putting incredible heaters out front. I don't think a championship is, is, in, uh, is in the cards for him, though. While the speed obviously is there, I just feel like those mistakes and those crashes happen far too often for Sexton, where we can really consider him a serious contender for this title. Um, whereas with Roxon, and quite honestly AC, we know that that speed is there, and that we can see these guys at the front with great starts every single gate drop, and we know they both of them can make something happen. Well, I think the stage is set. It's going to start this weekend in Paula. My 450 uh, championship prediction is Adam C and Cerullo, that's how much of a step he's going to make this summer. That's who my championship pick. Who is he, who's yours? You know what? You are about to take mine. Uh, I'm looking at Roxon. Uh, Roxon, uh, I'm a Honda guy. i got to stay loyal to that. I've been Honda all my life. I'm really liking my C from Roxon. And somebody who is second in the points, showing the most promise, especially early in the year, I think Roxon can make it happen. Um, and we're at AC, I think that there are a couple crashes, a couple weird things and tip-overs happening in his ride. I just feel like Roxon has, has a little bit beyond that, as in the perfection. And I think that Roxon maybe has got his best chance to win this championship uh, before we see the likes of the Sextons and the Cianciarillos begin to overpass him. Fair enough, man. Well, this was fun. I really enjoyed uh, the back and forth, the two of us, uh, just giving our opinions on how things are going to shake out this summer. There's just so many storylines that are about to unfold, and uh, a good, uh, at least 25% of the guys we just talked about uh, will have some sort of issue that completely removes them from the championship altogether and basically make this conversation almost a moot point. Um, but... It's, this has been fantastic. I really appreciate you making the time for us tonight. I hope that people enjoyed this. And if they didn't, uh, who do they contact on Instagram? Uh, they're going to contact you. I don't care for people's opinions. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, no, uh, you know what? Uh, I don't remember my Instagram handle. I, uh, uh, I don't post enough on there for that. Fair enough. We'll, we'll tag... Uh, We'll tag you in the Instagram post for this and, and maybe uh, link you in the, the description for this podcast. Uh, but 
this has been fantastic. Like I said, I really appreciate you making the time and, uh, uh, let's, let's do this again. Uh, I, I would love to do some, uh, maybe like catch up halfway through the series and talk about how things are shaping up, or maybe we do that quarterly cause it's the 12, uh, 12 nationals, but, uh, really appreciate the time, Kieran. Thanks for, uh, for coming on the show. Yeah, no problem. I, uh, I really enjoyed this. Hopefully we'll get to talk some more nationals later this season. Hell yeah, my friend. Looking forward to it. Do not hang up just yet, but for podcast sake, let's cut it off right there.